Welcome to episode number 49 of the Grab Blogger podcast. This is the podcast where helping academics change the world through online business. We're helping you, the listener, create an online business based around your experience, your expertise, your research background, so you can create a meaningful business to change your life and change the world. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Cloney. In today's episode, we're talking about running a job board as part of your online business. And to do that, we have on the call Dr. Dave Eng of jobhacker.com, J-O-B-H-A-K-R.com. Dave, I want to say a big thank you for coming back on the Grab Blogger podcast today. Chris, it's an honor to be back. Thanks for having me. So those of you that have been listening for the last 25 weeks or so will know that we had Dave on in episode 24 of the podcast, which is actually a really fun one because we were live in San Diego um, at Pat Flynn's uh, event there, FlynnCon 1, and we got in a booth. Uh, Dave, was it a Buzzsprout booth or do you remember the company? Yeah, it was Buzzsprout. Yeah, so it was Buzzsprout, the podcasting company, which... Um, unfortunately, I don't use, but that's okay. Um, but we got in their booth and recorded uh, audio tracks about how the po- how the show was going, how the conference was going, um, lessons that we were learning. It was a really fun interview. I had a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of fun recording that. We got to meet some of the locals in San Diego, like uh, Lindsay and Derek Padilla. I brought my son Owen out for a nice uh, dinner with the the whole group of of academics, mean business. Um, it was a really cool experience. So Dave and I have not talked in audio, I don't think, since then. But he did reach out on running this job board. So back in episode 31, when we were talking with Dr. Chris Humphrey, he mentioned that he had started tried to start a job board as part of his work. Um, I mentioned at Dust Safety Science, I've sort of did something similar with you know trying to find jobs for engineers and and people that wanted engineers and sort of creating this job board concept. And we both sort of agreed that it didn't really work for both of us. So Dave reached out and said, "Well, I actually, run a job board, um, and it is the Student Affairs Job Search." you can find on Facebook, um, student affairs job search by the job hacker. And so, well, that's great. Yeah, let's uh, let's get you on the podcast and figure out how this actually works then. So that's what we're going to talk about in this episode. We're going to talk about Dave's story a bit, some of his background, how job hacker came about, um, how he sets up and runs the student affairs job search board. Um, how does it fit in with his, you know, his overall strategy online? How does it fit in with job hacker? And how does he promote it? And how has he gone about growing that? And I think it's at maybe 330 or 340 members today. So it's, you know, there's some some action in there. So, Dave, can you kind of start off just by what is your what is your backstory? How do you get started online? What is, you know, where did this all come from? Sure. So, uh, prior to joining the academy, I was working in student affairs. Uh, student affairs, for all of those that are listening that may not be completely familiar with it, is a, a place in higher education where we work directly with students. So. Typical areas that student affairs professionals work in are residential life, um, student activities, sometimes academic advising, uh, new student orientation, uh, judicial affairs, um, community standards, stuff like that. So uh, my career had been uh, pretty varied in student affairs. And the one thing that I always liked to do because I just found it really fulfilling was mentor new professionals. So the career path for a lot of student affairs professionals is um, going through undergrad and then leaving and then usually uh, entering a master's program or working in one of those functional areas that I talked about before. Uh, and then after they left their uh, grad program or finished their grad program, they were engaged in this job search for the first time. And what was really interesting was that some students would leave undergraduate and then they would enter their graduate program and then they would be conducting this search. And the hard part about this search is that one, it was usually their first full-time job career search. And two, it was a career search in higher education. And then three, it was a career search in higher education in student affairs, which is kind of its own beast. 
So what ended up happening was I was a mentor for these different mentees. I usually got a few different mentees every year. And while we like to talk about a lot of different things relating to student affairs, the overwhelming number of questions I kept getting was, how do I navigate this job search? Because for um, all those who have not worked in academia before, especially academia in the States or student affairs in the States, it is very focused on this collaborative effort between a search committee. So overall, on average, a job search can take up to 119 days, sometimes longer than that. So that, that could be very difficult for a lot of um, student affairs professionals. So uh, I decided to put all of this great information that I was sharing with my mentees online, and that's what became the Job Hacker, uh, the website. So the Job Hacker is focused specifically on the student affairs job search. And what I do on a regular basis is I work with different student affairs professionals, and I also write um, blog posts about different aspects of the student affairs job search and how to navigate those, basically as a new professional, someone working in higher education, and also someone that works in student affairs. Yeah, I love it. If anyone's in that background looking to maybe transition from finishing their graduate degree or even transitioning from professorship, or I, I don't know the, all the paths that come in, definitely check out Dave's blog on Job Hacker. I think you're also starting a YouTube channel and a podcast, or maybe that's out already as well. Yeah, I'm working on it right now. I, I've got a lot of great uh, blog content, but I also realize that uh, a lot of my audience may not read the blog in its entirety. Some posts are pretty long. And I know that uh, using that same content to approach my audience in different uh, mediums would be useful. So uh, I've invested in a uh, some video equipment. I, I started recording. Uh, I, I'm going to use the video for the, the YouTube channel, and I'm also going to use the audio for a podcast. And it's basically the same tips and information that I cover out in my blog, but just in different mediums in order to best serve uh, anyone that would like some additional information on their student affairs job search. Oh, I love it. So you kind of went through, you know, what what the purpose of job job hacker is. But is there anything else in there that you you know some big goals that you have for for what you're doing there? Yeah. So one of the one of the most common questions I kept getting when after I started the blog was, and a lot of people appreciated the help on navigating the job search, interview help, um, phone interview skills how to prepare for an on-campus interview and everything. But uh, the big question, the ones that kept coming up even more often than just job search questions was, how do I negotiate my salary? Working in higher education and working in academia is often not the most lucrative from a salary standpoint position that a person could take. So when off, usually offered a role uh, after conducting a job search that's lasting months or in sometimes years for some people, uh, when I get offered something, they usually are not in a position to negotiate. So this year, I, I put together a lot of resources into putting together this comprehensive class, this course that I'm going to teach on how to negotiate your salaries in student affairs. Because what I tell a lot of them is that just because you work in education does not mean that you should not be paid uh, a living and competitive wage for the type of work you do. And I think it's a great injustice for a lot of student affairs professionals to not earn that living wage. So I put together this course in order to help them address that and hopefully they can use those skills that they will learn in the course to student affairs or to whatever job or career they want to engage in in the future. Now, that's really cool. And I've actually liked that because this was back when I was in corporate world. So I was doing things. I did do some research on how to negotiate your salary and I did do that a bit. And it's kind of like, if I think of a, a parallel, it's kind of like scholarships for university. So a lot of them just don't have anybody apply. So if you just try, you end up getting a good you know chunk right out of the gate. And I think it's the same with negotiation. If you just try, you can get Maybe it's not a 
well, I'm sure I haven't taken your course. I'm sure uh, it's it's included there. Maybe it's not a monetary boost right away, but maybe it's more vacation time. But I, I would think that if you just tried, you would get something. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, that's what I tell them. I say, one, you're not going to get anything unless you ask for it. And two, your salaries are, it's a big chunk of your compensation, but it's not the only chunk. And what I tell a lot of them is that benefits and higher education are awesome, at least from what I've seen compared to corporate benefits. And some of the biggest ones are like vacation time, professional development, start date, uh, relocation, housing in some cases. So I tell a lot of student affairs professionals, salary is important, but don't get hung up just on the salary. Benefits are just as important, if not more important. I really like that. And what I was going to say on top of that is it kind of makes sense as something to help them with, with a course, right? Because they're they can get a benefit that has some dollar value attached to it. I don't know, a thousand dollars or ten thousand dollars. You actually look over their entire life because it's cumulative. Then you know maybe tens of thousands of dollars over over a twenty or thirty year career. But it's it's much easier to kind of sell something like that, right? Oh yeah, 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 definitely. Uh, you when you're young and you can get, start out with a higher salary, you definitely have compounding on your side. Yeah, and then then you know it, you can kind of have a price point that makes more sense um, with what you're creating. So I think that's a good idea. All right. So this job board thing then. So I tried it with engineers getting jobs in industrial safety. Um, uh, Chris Humphrey mentioned that he thought about it and, and couldn't really get off the ground in a previous podcast episode. And then we come across the student affairs job search on Facebook, which has these 30, 330 people and they're, they're, you know, chatting about all these different job opportunities. And, you know, how, how did you set up that job board? Where did that come from? So I knew that when I started the job hacker, I, I should secure my social media presence on different platforms. On Facebook, which is where I get most of my engagement, I started a Facebook page because that's what I was informed I should do. And two, I started a group um, only because I knew it was important, but I did not know how the group was going to be different from the page. And that's something that kind of bothered me. Like the page and the group were two areas where I would post my um, student affairs job search blog post. But if I did that for both, then what was the purpose of having uh, two of them? So what I started asking uh, people that were uh, receiving my blog posts and on my email list and everything was, would it be beneficial to get postings for new student affairs job opportunities? And they said, yeah. So I figured, okay, well, I guess I'll start using the, the group for that. And what it kind of evolved into was I use the group now as a place to kind of curate all of these different postings. Like the page is a good way to represent the job hacker from the website on Facebook, but the group is a great way to not only share postings that I'm finding of different student affairs job opportunities, but also to discuss those postings. And whenever anyone has any specific questions about an institution or a role or relocation to a specific area, they have this community in order for them to turn to. So for a website like mine, that's really focused on the job search. Um, having a repository that you can search, which is something you can do on Facebook, uh, is very valuable because if someone comes in the group and they say, hey, you know, my name's Ian, uh, I live in California, I'm looking to move to the East Coast and I'd like to work in residential life, I can say, okay, well, I'm going to search right now for all the postings and I tag them a specific way. Here are the last five postings for residential life in the New York area posted over the last three months. And the, the board is able to store all of that information. And it's just a great place for people to find different opportunities and apply for them because I'm pulling them from everywhere. There's like a couple of different websites that are large posters of job, uh, job postings and student affairs. But there's a lot of other sources that people miss and I collect all of them and put them in one location. While you were describing that, 
some some alarm bells just went off in my head that I hadn't even really considered. It wrote into the outline, so I'll, I'll talk about it a bit. And what I call this is is you know your content mix, machine, content curation, repurposing. We we've covered that in episode twenty three of the podcast. How can you bring stuff into your ecosystem from the outside and use that as your content? So and I didn't actually think about this, but my my original content curation strategy was okay for dust safety science. There's fires and explosions happening around the world. I bring these all into one central location. I write blog posts about them. And anytime somebody sends me an email about, you know, what's gone on in Missouri or, you know, um, some novel metallic material is, is that a hazard, I can kind of go to that database that I've built up now of this, all this content and send them to the right place. It's almost, you're, you've done that, except it's a totally different, you know, field, but you're creating all these um, job posts. You're not creating the job posts, you're finding the material. So that's the, you know, content curation part, you're putting it together. Then you also have the central library. Do you do any content creation on these job postings as well? Do you show, share them on social media or in newsletters or anything like that? I don't share them in newsletters only because uh, a lot of the content that I'm producing in-house uh, re- relate uh, to those blog posts. So those blog posts are kind of, I would say, position agnostic. Like it's just uh, different tips about your student affairs job search. However, the postings are a way for the people in my community in order to put that knowledge into use. So I see the job board as really providing great value to people that are in the student affairs job search because they are going to be looking for positions. And while they may have come to me originally for my content, some people come to me just for the positions and they get exposed to the content. And for the, for those people, whether you come to me for the content or for the opportunities, it's going to be win-win both ways because you're either going to get some new opportunities you didn't see or some new advice that you never heard of before. Yeah, that's really cool. I like that strategy. And the reason I was trying to compare it to the incident database is that it's one that you can use in different modalities, right? I'm trying to encourage the listeners, if they're listening to this, to go, well, what goes on regularly in my content space? You know, what's the local news that's happening? So it could be job postings. Well, job postings are actually specifically one that they're probably having everyone's space. <laughs> so there's a content curation possibibility. Uh, for me, it was, you know, these fires and explosions are happening. But what's happening every week or every month that we could be the central resource for and then build that out. And I think that's a, well, I know it's a powerful thing. I, you know, we did 500 posts last year just on this content curation and it's a, you know, it's a drive, core driver of our content strategy at Dust Safety Science. Um, we haven't done it on Grabblogger so much, but maybe I'll find a way to do that as well. And then this is an interesting way to do it on, you know, a whole different uh, medium. How, do, how does the job work fit in with job hackers? Is there any direct connection there? Yeah, so the job board is going to be those different opportunities that are coming up in student affairs that people can apply to. Uh, I also realize, though, that when you have a Facebook group, that is a community that you can provide targeted and curated advice. So if I were to say that the blog was more general advice for you know, like a student affairs job search or overall just a job search, the, the job board, the Facebook group, is a way for us to discuss specific opportunities as they come up. So um, there have been several instances where someone has wanted to apply for an institution and someone in that group has worked for that institution who's working there right now. So they're able to provide some really targeted advice on what it'd be like to work for that office or for that unit or in that role or something else. Um, I find it as a way to continue to provide value to all of these student affairs job seekers because Based on everything that I offer so far, you, you could get a lot out of the blog. You could get a lot out of the 
YouTube channel when it comes out and the podcast uh, and really pay nothing. I, I just want it to be useful for you. If you'd like to go further, if you'd like to learn more, I have the course that's coming out on student affairs, job search, salary negotiation. I am writing a book uh, that hopefully should be coming out this quarter on navigating an on-campus interview because that's kind of different from student affairs professionals. But these are all uh, different services and products that I offer to people in my group, but it's not necessary. If you just come and you want to see opportunities or you want some additional advice on your student affairs job search, just come. Uh, and if you're in the group, I hope that you can contribute, but it's not a it's not a requirement. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And so I, I did want to backtrack to, to one thing that you, you mentioned. Um, you mentioned that you started the Facebook group and the Facebook page because that's what everyone says you should do. <laughs> and I do want to note that I, I don't necessarily condone that as uh, me, Chris Cloney's not saying that you need to start a Facebook page or group. It, it actually can be quite um, difficult. We have the Grabbler Connect group. It's maybe 300 people and it has been difficult to try to keep the thing running. So I'd like to run through some some tips and strategies and we can go back and forth on this on within Facebook as a as a uh, Maybe we'll focus on Facebook groups because that's what we're kind of talking about. But within Facebook groups, what's what's worked for you? What hasn't worked? And I think that's some things that the audience could then take away and say, okay, well, this is, if I'm going to go down that route, which again, you don't necessarily have to. And in some cases, you may want to consider a different platform, but maybe we'll leave that for another another podcast episode. But if you are considering Facebook, you know, what are some tips to to get you there? So maybe I'll start off. And some of the ones that I, I did was certainly early days, we would... Um, tweet and promote people when they were joining the group. Maybe take a screenshot, they join the group and then share that on social media and kind of celebrate them. And they've got some criteria there, like they had to provide their Twitter um, handle inside the group and then we tweet them tweet them out so you're not kind of randomly shouting out people. Um, that was a good way. It's kind of a social proof, proof aspect to get into grow. Is there anything that you've tried that that did work really well with your job board or your Facebook group or some things maybe that you want to try? Yeah. So one of the things that I do, and I think this has been incredibly useful so far, is when someone joins your Facebook group, there's usually like an, it's in the right-hand navigation that says, you know, you have one new member that has joined. Would you like to welcome them? And when you press that button, it says, it just has copy text that says, we have a, let's welcome our new member, colon, and then their name, and it tags them on Facebook. Um, if you wait until you have multiple people that are joining the group, you can do it all in one shot. But what I recommend people do is welcoming people one at a time. Because when you welcome in a group of people, it's nice, but you don't get kind of like the individualized attention as when you get one post that welcomes one new member. So I highly recommend that. The other thing that I recommend is that I have a video of myself that I recorded that just introduces myself, uh, tells people who I am, what I do. To welcome to the group, how to find postings on there. And um, you know, I hope that they get a lot of value out of this. And every time someone joins the group, I hit that button, I welcome them, and then I write their name in as a comment on that video so that they so that they watch that video. So those are uh, two things I do for every member that joins the group. They get a welcome text message and they also get a welcome uh, or they get tagged in the video that welcomes them. Well, that's really cool. And do you have I I tried this with my Facebook group a long time ago and it's it's far outdated, but do you have any sort of master list that people can get access to to see who else is in the group to like facilitate? Well, a good example, you mentioned like maybe somebody's at Ohio State University and they somebody else is looking for a job post. And do you have any elements like that? Uh, I don't. When people 
uh, join the group, they are, they're tagged and they're asked to introduce themselves. Uh, some people respond, some people don't. However, whenever someone posts questions or any other content in the group, it's really up to the community to respond. Uh, the role that I play is just whenever I find postings, I put them in the group, but uh, I'm leaving it really up to the community to be able to provide additional insight to other people because I, there's only certain institutions that I've worked for that I can provide advice for, but there's many, many more people in the group that can provide more targeted advice on that specific institution or role than I can because they've had a lot of experience there. That makes sense. And was there anything that you've tried that you know just didn't work for you on, on Facebook groups? Yeah. So I remember when I first started the group, I knew that, okay, well, I've got this group of people in here and it's, I know that the topic is going to be the student affairs job search. Other than job postings, what can I do in order to provide value to these people? So I started just asking questions from the group on a regular basis. You know, like what is, what jobs did you apply for this week? Did you go on any interviews or anything else? And I did one of those word card things on Facebook where it basically just you know, it makes your text really big and it puts it on a colorful background. With an inspirational picture or something? Yeah, yeah. I did not get a whole lot of traction on those. And I kind of, that's what I wanted. And, I, you know, I was kind of new to groups at the time. I didn't really know how to engage this group overall. And then I started using the, uh, the polls feature in Facebook groups, which allows you to ask a question and people can vote on the poll. And the overwhelming majority of people just wanted to see job postings. So I said, I mean, if that's the content that provides them value and that's something I can give them, then yeah, I started doing that. And I think that was back in almost a year ago, March 2019, when I just, I would, um, I would get several newsletters with job postings and I would just uh, curate out the, the posts that I thought would be applicable to, a lot of them are entry-level student affairs professionals. So I found opportunities that specifically were for entry-level people and I started sharing it with the group. And that's when more and more people started joining because I was providing all of this value to them. That makes sense. And do you, how do you actually collate and, and curate that material coming in? Sure. So I've got um, several email subscriptions to many of the big places. So uh, at least in the States, it's uh, Higher Ed Jobs, Inside Higher Ed, uh, Chronicle.com, uh, Indeed, and also Glassdoor sometimes has some job postings as well. So I, I started subscribing to all of these different services that, and then just had the phrase student affairs tagged. So any job that had that phrase in it would get you know, curated and come to me. And then I would get this email. Uh, I use a service called Unroll Me. It's U-N-R-O-L-L dot M-E. And what Unroll Me does is it takes all of your email subscriptions and creates a roll-up is what they call and a roll-up is basically like a summary of all of your email subscriptions. So I would go through that summary every day. I would look at the those different postings. I would see, uh, you know, like if a job looked like if it was entry level, and if it was, I would open it, and then I would just um, I have this other uh, this other extension to my Chrome browser called Tweet This, and basically what it does is it takes whatever web page you're at, and it will create a tweet for you, and it usually includes the page title and then the URL. And then from that tweet, I would tag it. So I tag things based on two things, because this is what people in the group voted on. Uh, functional area, so area that you're working in, residential life, student activities, new student orientation, anything like that. And then location, so you know, like New York, New York, or Los Angeles, California, or Orlando, Florida. And I put those things in brackets, and then I would just copy and paste all of that, that tweet, put it in the job board, wash, rinse, repeat for 20 or 30 more opportunities, and that would be my, my daily workflow. Yeah, I like that. And we do the same thing. That's how we get our incidences. We do it through two main methods. 
One is newsletters. So we subscribe to all the industry trade show or not trade shows, but all the industry forum kind of newsletters that media companies send out. And they we scan those for incidents, for fires and explosions. And we also use Google Alerts. So we have probably 60 or 70 specific keywords that we get Google Alerts on every week. And then we just comb through those and, and we have a standard operating procedure for how to determine which ones you know might have enough information that we can actually provide information on but that's that's how we collect our content curation again newsletters like you're saying then we also use google alerts do you use google alerts at all for for your system or is it is there not i I can match for job postings most people are posting it somewhere they're not just writing a a website page about it (laughs) yeah yeah so I, i don't use google alerts but google does have google job alerts so i use that so i just entered the phrase student affairs it can be located anywhere and then i get a daily email that has any new jobs that are posted with that title. And some of them, you know, fit the group, some of them don't. But again, I'm I'm the main curator. So I'm going through all of these and trying to determine if it would be a good thing to post in the group. That's cool. And you mentioned that if somebody's looking for a specific type of job, you may, I don't know if you said search your database or you may look, is that, are you doing that in the Facebook group or what's the technical yeah, it's in the Facebook group. So Facebook on the left hand in the Facebook group, left hand navigation, there's a search bar. And then you can search for whatever you'd like and then sort it by posts you've seen, most recent, or like uh, uh, chronological posts or anything else like that. So that's what I tell people to do. If they're looking for a residential life job, they can just search in the left hand navigation and then they can sort it by, you know, most most recent posts going to to uh, you know older posts. And that's one of the main ways that people find opportunities in there. Okay, well, yeah, you just blew my mind because <laughs> I literally never use the search in my own group, and I would scroll for days to try to find stuff. <laughs> I used to just scroll, 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 like you were saying before, and then I, I was like, oh, you know, it would be great if groups had a, a search bar, and then I realized that they did, and I started using. <laughs> well, it, if somebody's listening to this podcast episode, um, they didn't know the group had a search bar. That's probably just just uh you know made it well worth their half an hour listening to this episode <laughs> yeah um it's it's gonna save me time because yeah i the group's not as active we will be growing out grab connect to be more active in the future um but when it was active i was in there all the time scrolling like crazy i was like i know there's a this thing in here that i want to reference for somebody yeah okay use the search use the native search functionality it's probably it makes sense that it's there yeah and then if you I always followed a standardized way of coding different opportunities. So, um, you know, if I wanted a residential life job, I just had to type in residential life, capital R, capital L, and it would find all those opportunities. So if you're going to be posting jobs using the same methodology that I use, just be consistent in order to make searching much easier. That makes a lot of sense. Do you save them in like a spreadsheet or anything else or just in the Facebook group? I was thinking about doing that originally. I did not save it anywhere. I would just post it directly into the group. However, I'm planning on transitioning into um, hiring a VA. So your last episode, I don't know if it was the last episode, but one of your episodes on hiring a VA was really useful. So I've taken a lot of that advice and I'm planning on transitioning this uh, this job responsibility over to a VA. Yeah. And that ties back to my point that we didn't expand on, but the whole Facebook group in general, I, I would, yeah, I would definitely try to get them into a separate sheet. I mean, your group can kind of go the way of the dodo without you knowing. So we just started Facebook ads for 
does safety science for the conference we're running. And we just started like two or three weeks ago and we just got our ad account shut down. <laughs> and I don't know why. Oh no, why? I what think it was probably because we were mentioning explosions. <laughs> now that now looking back on it, but uh, the end result is I don't know. And we're, we're asking them to please let it come back on and searching for recourse. But I mean, that's how easy it can be taken away when it's on somebody else's platform. Yeah. And yeah. I don't know, it, it has been harder to get more um, attention in Facebook groups and they kind of throttle you and stuff. So long term, I'm not sure if the grab blogger recommendation is to start a Facebook group anymore, but if you do have one or you're thinking about it, it's it's really easy. That's the nice part. You can just you get started today. Oh, Chris, I wanted to bring up um, so you brought up a really good point about not being too dependent on one platform, which I wholly agree with. So one of the things I Im- implemented for my group is that you're not automatically added to the group when you request to join. You can request to join, and I have uh, I have right now just one customized question I ask, and it is, can you please provide your email address so that I can provide you, you know, new blog posts and everything else. So everyone that joins the group uh, has also provided their email address. So even if the group is, you know, folds or something happens with Facebook, I still have group members information and I can always contact them via email. And I highly recommend other people do the same. Yeah, that's that's a really good tip. And I, I would too. And I, I'm sure the question that some people are thinking are, you know, isn't that going to make less um, people join the group and the answer and the honest answer to that is create a better group. <laughs> you know, if people aren't willing to do that, then, then, you know, you need to, you need to have more value in there. So they do. And we, we do ask for an email, but we actually ask a couple questions. It's part of our customer insight machine. Um, I don't remember the questions, but we cover them back in episode 30 of the podcast, I think. And it's something like, you know, where are you at? Have you built a business or have you got started online or, and then, you know, what your biggest problem is. And we actually leave it optional to add an email address because that that indicates how serious they are. So we sort of use it as a waiting on the answers to those questions. So if you look look at like uh, the ask method by Ryan Levesque, you can sort out the ones that left their email because they really mean business. They're saying, I haven't got anything. And this is my biggest problem. And you have 10 of those and then 10 that didn't leave their email and kind of weight them differently. But you make a really good point because now I don't have access to those other people that are not leaving their email. Um, so I, I think that's a really important thing to consider for people starting a Facebook group today is how, what are you going to do? Where are you going to transition if you want to grow it? And I'm happy to, to hear that, that, that one, the Graveler podcast has given you some good ideas, but two, that you're, you're implementing and taking action on having a, you know, a, a, a plan where that might go. And I guess that begs the question, you know, what is, what is next for the student affairs um, job board and kind of what's next for, for job hacker? So uh, I'm planning right now on taking all of my blog content and transitioning it to two different mediums. So planning on also starting my own podcast. The podcast is going to be called The Student Affairs Job Search and uh, also starting my own YouTube channel by the same name, The Student Affairs Job Search. So uh, I'm trying to really help and target other student affairs professionals that are going to be job searching. Uh, I think I brought it up before. Uh, I like writing my blog posts. I also like reading other people's blog posts, but I also realize that not everyone consumes media the same way I do. Uh, I consume a lot of podcasts. Uh, I watch a few YouTube channels, and I know that there are other people out there that do the same thing. So I know that diversifying uh, how I produce and also share my media will help me grow my influence and reach. So that is the that is on the uh, docket for this year, starting that podcast and that YouTube channel. And um, I hope to be doing so within by by the end of the quarter, at least. Awesome! I think that's a great idea. And I I read blog posts when I want to do something. I use videos when I want to do something too. 
I don't really do those for for leisure. I I listen to a lot of podcasts for leisure. So that's sort of my medium. And everybody's different. I'm good at writing, sort of. I'm just really slow at it. So for creating content for me, I I did the write the blog post thing, random topic blogging. It just for me it took forever. So I've transitioned into different modalities where I can record and and take video of myself, which I found to be better. So it's like two parts of the puzzle, right? What what are you good at and what does your audience want? Yeah, I think it's a smart idea to switch over to some other mediums on your side as well. I think that's probably it. Anything, any other you know points that you think we should leave off the listener on, on maybe Facebook groups or on starting a job board in their niche or content curation repurposing or you know what are your kind of final words leaving off for the the grab blogger audience today? So I would say that uh, I have I I think I have like a niche within a niche within a niche. So mine is. Uh, like career development, which is like, I guess, the overall field, and then um, job search, because that's an, a smaller part of career development, and then job search in a particular industry, so it's higher education, and then a functional area in that industry, which is student affairs. And then my final niche is that I am curating uh, opportunities and content specifically for those entry-level job seekers. And I do have some people in my group, and I do work with some people who are it's like mid-level or senior level professionals who have, you know, five or 10 plus four years in the field. And, you know, they still get a lot of value from the group, but really my target audience are these entry-level student affairs job seekers for at least two reasons. One, it's because it's probably one of the most challenging parts of your, your career. And two, that's how the group came to be. I came into the field and I started the, the website because I was trying to help my mentees who were other entry-level student affairs job seekers. So I think that once you can determine who your audience is and, and uh, how to serve them, that is when you can really put together some great content and some great products and some great opportunities that is going to serve specifically that group. Yeah, I love that. And you, you want to get to the point where you know the problems they have even better than, than they know them. No, that's really cool. Um, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast today and talking through the student affairs job search um, by the Job Hacker. You can Google that on Facebook. You'll find it there. And then job hacker spelled J-O-B-H-A-K-R.com. I encourage you if you're you know, interested about this area of student affairs or employment opportunities within universities to definitely check that out. And if you're interested in any of Dave's upcoming material, his course on negotiating your salary, his podcast, his YouTube channel, I don't know, where's the, where's the best spot for people to find you if they're interested in um, tuning into that today um, or if they're listening to this in the future, Dave? Sure. So right now, the best spot for it is just a website. So it's jobhacker.com, J-O-B-H-A-K-R.com. Uh, I am on a lot of different platforms, but really the best way to get in touch with me is via email. Uh, you can email me directly. I'm Dave, D-A-V-E, at J-O-B-H-A-K-R.com. Awesome. And we'll leave that uh, contact information in the show notes at grablar.com slash 49 as well. So I say thanks, Dave, for coming on. And I'm not sure how many repeat guests we've had on the podcast. I think we've had one or two, but maybe you'll be the first one to do a, a three-peat on the podcast coming up. I'd like to do three so we can go. We can get the hat trick. <laughs> that sounds great. Well, thanks, Dave, and I appreciate it. I'm sure we'll talk soon. Thanks, Chris. You've been listening to myself, Dr. Chris Cloney and Dr. Dave Eng. We've been talking about running a job board as part of your online business. We're talking about Dave's background running jobhacker.com. That's J-O-B-H-A-K-R.com. Went through how Dave got started online, how he kind of went down this path of being a student affairs professional, and then, you know, turned out that he was bringing on people and mentoring in the space. Um, really saw a need there. He started going online then and sharing content and creating material about that. 
Um, we talked about why you might consider starting a job board. We talked about some functional things. You know, how do you start it on Facebook as a Facebook group? We covered a whole lot of tips on Facebook groups in general. Again, these are sort of a murky area. We don't know what the future is going to hold for Facebook and small business and and running your own content based businesses. But if you are on there, we shared a whole whack of tips, and we'll probably put those together and create a cheat sheet at grablar.com slash 49. I have written on my sheet here at least 10. So we're going to say maybe 12 tips on uh, on improving your Facebook group or something like that. But if you're interested, you can grab that at the show notes or you can always get the transcripts of these episodes, again, at grablar.com slash 49. And we, yeah, we shared a bunch of background on Dave's story, but also around how to grow this Facebook group and things to consider, like you know, getting the emails of the people that are joining the group, um, how to keep the content flowing, not, you know, giving people what they want. So if they don't like um, fancy motivational cards with quotes, then don't give them fancy motivational cards with quotes, give them the stuff that they want and make it really useful at the end of the day. So that's it for this episode. You can tag myself at GrabBlogger on Twitter or Instagram or across other, all other social media platforms. I may also tag Dave at JobHacker and that's with an H and an A and a K and an R. I feel like I've said that a lot this, this episode. Um, at jobhacker.com on Twitter or at jobhacker on Twitter. Um, we'll have the rest of the contact information there on the show notes as well. So if you found this, in, this interview interesting, please rate and review in iTunes. It'd be great to get your feedback. Um, and you can always email me at chris at grablar.com and let me know how we're doing with the podcast. So have a great week ahead. I'm really looking forward to continuing to create this podcast episodes and help you grow your online business as an academic getting started or creating a you know major change with your business and in your life. Thank you.